You have no idea, do you? What do I have no idea? What? How much time I've spent waiting for you. Of how much shit I've taken because you never taught me how to do anything else. Oh, oh yeah, what shit? Huh? What? Everything. You disappearing for months on end, you never taking my calls when things between mom and me were so bad. Why didn't you stand up for me? Why weren't you there? Why can't you do one single thing you say you're gonna do? And you act like you want me to come see you, but you don't know how to have me here. You don't know how to deal with it. You don't know how to even have a conversation with me. You think I can rely on you? Hmm? You shouldn't have to. I'm the child. I'm the child. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Girls Girls, a weekly recap podcast where I, Rourke, and my co-host Sarah Beth rewatch every episode of HBO's Girls. Sarah Beth, we are talking about season two, episode seven, video games. I don't like the title of this episode, and I don't know if I like the episode. <laughs> the episode i mean it's pretty devastating yes it's very sad and then i do agree with you about the title i think they were going for something deeper but petula right that was her name the one who um so i think it's the yes petula Petula. exactly thank you exactly yeah so i would have said if you had just shown it to me on a page if i had been reading a book of this episode i would have said petula in my head like pedal i guess yeah. um but no it's petula like petulant yeah petula petula is like a crazy conspiracy theorist who uh is unhinged and that's what video games references her and hannah's talk mm-hmm. but i feel like the only simulation in this game was the simulation of intercourse in the cemetery <laughs> <laughs> you came in my thigh crease <laughs> like i don't feel like it was really i guess you could go deeper and say like the childhood that jessa had with her father was like a simulation of what he thinks fatherhood is but it doesn't actually go any deeper but i i don't know yeah it's a sad sad episode Mm -hmm. and i think we do get a lot of i still think jessa might be the most frustrating character, but we get a lot of context as to why she is the way she is here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was a, you know, this was a different kind of episode. We, we kind of get away with just, we go to a different location, obviously with two of the characters and pretty, pretty much leave the rest behind. Do we even see, am I forgetting? Do we even see the rest in the beginning at all? No, we don't No, It starts with no. them arriving at the train station. Doesn't it? And also Hannah is now three for three in finding romantic partners in these bottle episodes. Oh God, you're right. (laughs) I do also like to think about like forecasting out Petula. Like, you know, she was a crazy anti-vaxxer. Yes. A hundred percent. I love the casting. Rosanna Arquette. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. I thought she was great in the role. She fit 
really well. And then a pre-Star Wars Ben Mendelsohn. Who's that? He's uh, Jess's father. He's been oh. in a ton of stuff. He oh, was I didn't in, recognize him at all. Yeah, he was in, um, there was a movie called Animal Kingdom that kind of got critical acclaim. That was a really good movie. They made a TV show that was less good, but entertaining mm-hmm. based on that. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff, but they were both like, they brought out heavy hitters for Jess's side of the family. So I feel like they must be back at some point. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Although, I don't know, this, this, I guess I feel like HBO as a network has the clout to like pull people like this for an episode. That's true. Yeah. Would you want to see these people again? I actually feel like that her father, I could take it or leave it. I sort of like Petula because yeah. she's so weird. And I think there's so much room to play, but you don't really see much of her in this episode, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm Googling because I'm pretty sure the guy who plays Frank is dead. He is. Oh, the actor. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Lashaway is his name. I went on a little Google search right after watching the episode. God, he was young. What happened? Yeah. Like not that many, not long after this episode. Yeah. Like a year or two. Yikes. So, yes. So we have Jess and Hannah upstate for the entire episode. I think there was a, I think there were a lot of really interesting, like emotional beats in this episode. Mm -hmm. So it starts out with them waiting at the train station for what is going to seem, seems like hours. Hannah, this is, and I think this is a pretty classic, the childhood fear of being the last kid to be picked up and having Mm -hmm. all the other parents and kids kind of speculate about your home life and that people Mm -hmm. would forget about you. Mm -hmm. And, Something that bother tends to bother me about Jessa is she's a little bit, this is a pretty classic like Brene Brown, like empathy lesson where her, one of her kind of phrases is empathy never starts with the phrase at least. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if a friend expressed it, like for me, if like a friend expressed like trouble with getting pregnant, like I should not say in response, well, at least you have a husband to have a kid with. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. And, but a lot of people don't, to your point, don't operate like that. Like their version of relating to someone is to one up them in dreadfulness. And I think Jessa has a little bit of that. Um, I think Jessa has sort of like a little bit of like sadness Olympics with Hannah. And mm-hmm. sometimes she's in the right and sometimes she's, it, it's unnecessary where, mm-hmm two things can be true at once. And like, again, it actually, sorry to say this, it reminds me of the real housewives where this season on the real houses in New York, there was a woman on it who came from like truly horrific circumstances, like kind of like living in your like verge of homelessness, like throughout her childhood, like sounded really unstable and unsafe. And Mm -hmm. this other woman she had, she then had conflict with this other woman who would try to relate to her story by sharing, you know, sort of difficulties of her own. Mm-hmm. And the original woman who kind of had the quote unquote, like harder story would always say like, but that doesn't compare having like, she would say like, well, having a hundred dollars in your bank account is more than having zero, which is what we had. And it's like, yeah, both stories sounded terrible both women had truly been through something and yet i think like they were really not 
you know, one probably could have communicated it better and the other was unable to hold space for it being an and and not Mm -hmm. an or that like Mm -hmm. my story, you don't like my story isn't invalid because your life was harder. It's just both things like can be true at once. And I think like Hannah can have feelings about what it's like to feel left, you know, at school. And then Jessa can have a story about potentially being molested by a sub um, while waiting for a parent to pick her up and not diminishing the other. And then we see this pattern repeat when Hannah makes a comment about kind of like, yeah, like I think we all have like challenges with our parents. And Jessa says like, don't compare your parents to my parents. And I I think she has a leg to stand on there, but still it's. I, I really feel for Jessa. And I think she's going through like this episode really shows the total dysfunction of her childhood. Yeah. But she has this tendency to totally dismiss Hannah. Like she often yells at Hannah, like grow up Mm -hmm. and you know, who is there for her? It's Hannah, Hannah flaky, Hannah's flaky ass went up to the Hudson Valley with her to see her horrible father. So it's like Hannah's there. So Jessa, to lash out like goes to the only target that's nearby yes and i think it's the same way we can sometimes you know like i will sometimes be snippy with my mom and she will say to me actually actually this uh, we saw this play out with rita wilson and marnie where my mom will say like do you talk to your friends like that and (laughs) unlike marnie i'll be like no And and so like exactly. (laughs) And because we really do we can get away with more with people who can't leave us, right? Mm -hmm. And I think Jessa sees Hannah as somebody that is like really gonna be there for her and therefore can kind of treat her worse. And that doesn't that's you know, certainly doesn't excuse it, but I think kind of explains it a little bit. I did find it funny that. Jessa encourages Hannah to go pee on the other side and Hannah's like but what about the third rail and Jessa's like there is no third rail it's so funny looking at the tracks and you could see the train coming from a mile away so there is no danger yeah oh god it is really funny and then she's like playing that trick this is like classic I feel like sibling behavior I don't have siblings but I have cousins who definitely like play little tricks on me like this not exposing myself tricks, but when she's peeing, she's like, is anyone coming? And Jess is like, nope. And there's this like old couple that's yeah. right around the corner. Yeah. Still nobody there. All good. Nope. Because <laughs> <sighs> um, again, like, frankly, I kind of am with Jess on that. Cause it's like, what's Hannah going to do? Like, it's just, just let her finish. Yeah. Let her live in bliss and ignorance is bliss there. So again, they're still waiting and they have a conversation of sort of like, you know, like, why are we doing this? Why are we here? And Jessa says she got a text from her dad and it was all, it was just a bunch of random letters, but it felt like something. And Hannah suggests it was a butt text, (laughs) which would have obviously made it an accident. And Jessa is very upset by that insinuation. Everything about this dad is like so tragic. Mm -hmm. And that, that being the setup, the Jessa is clinging to what I'm sure she knows in her heart was a mistake as Mm -hmm. a reach out as a as an extension like as an extending a a, like proffering a hand or something like some sort of like emotional reach out is so so sad yeah his car is filled with old computers i mean conspiracy theory red flag like yeah 
old electronics. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why, remember, he his reason for not, like, dumping it was because he doesn't want anyone to get their hands on his old work. Yeah, what work? <laughs> yeah. I did like Hannah saying that they look like dog houses. <laughs> <laughs> and then they kind of get increasingly, so I guess on the drive, like, her and her dad are getting, like, increasingly more British um, to the point where when they get there, Hannah asks, what accent is this? Because I just really would like to be in on the joke. <laughs> This is a funny bit, and I guess, like, this is a glimpse into, like, the reason that Jessa clings to this relationship is because they have a similar sense of humor, they have a similar sensibility, and you get the feeling like she really wanted to be close to her father, and it's an utter disappointment with how, like, estranged they are. And then you find out later, like, he goes off and disappears and she's stuck with her mother, who obviously treated her with a lot more um, resentment and anger. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like, it, you know, I'm very fortunate and we'll kind of get to, like, Hannah's call to her parents, where I think we both are really fortunate in terms of the parent relationships we have and the parents we do have. But I do know from kind of other relationships of mine, the feeling of like, you're just trying to get blood from a stone. Mm -hmm. And there are, I have, you know, I've said to a friend about another friend recently that like, I just can't keep returning to this person expecting them to give me a certain result when time and time again, they've just showed me they can only give like this other result. And I can imagine that that's even harder with a parent where, and like, I think we're kind of jumping around on this episode. Cause um, it's, I think the emotional beats are more interesting than the plot beats, but you know, her confrontation with him where she says like, I'm the child that to yeah. me is kind of like the truest part where yeah, it, it's one thing to be an adult and look at an adult friend and say like, you're not kind of like meeting this need of mine for a friendship. And I just need to kind of learn that lesson and ask of different things of you is a really different thing than like expect like this person at the end of the day, even though you are both adults, that person is still your parent. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just so fucked. Yeah. That was like the truest thing that happened in the 100%. episode. I really felt for her because she's totally right. He comes back with his, his idea of a zinger and says like, like, well, I can't rely on you either. And she's like, you shouldn't have to because you're the adult and I'm the child. And that's 100% right. A hundred percent right. So yeah, so they arrive, we meet Petula, and she's very grateful for Hannah because Hannah's the cushion. You're the cushion. What does Hannah think she means? Because Hannah says, I've never done it before, but I'm up for it. Does she think think it means to like be a threesome? No, I just think she doesn't know, like, Hannah's kind of like go with the flow, right? But being a cushion, a social cushion requires a little bit more... I would say like self-awareness than Hannah may possess. <laughs> Social tact and grace. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, wait, fuck. We didn't do our descriptions for the episode. Oh, you know, this is a bit that we keep forgetting, but uh anyway. <laughs> it's okay. We're only 16 minutes in. We can do it. Go. <laughs> like we get a window into Jessa's fucked up home life and then semicolon. Hannah has yet again another disappointing sexual encounter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hannah and Jessa visit Jessa's ne'er-do-well father, where we learn why Jessa can't relate to men. Yeah. There was that weird line, speaking of relating to men, where Jessa's looking at like a, a 
an issue of Penthouse from like the 70s. Yes. Let's and talk she about says that. something like, is there anything more noble than guiding a man through his first, a boy through his first sexual experience into like manhood? I was just like, and then Hannah's like, what about becoming a doctor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Yeah, I wrote this one down. It said, these women should be really proud because in a way, the most noble thing you can do is to help a boy find the sexuality, help a boy become a man, you know? And Hannah says, probably the most noble, you know, besides becoming a doctor or a firefighter. <laughs> <sighs> oh my god that was a good one but it that that just shows you like how her relationship to men like started from the very beginning of trying to please her father and everything was in relation to her father i thought a really interesting line was um after they meet frank and hannah says mm-hmm. like i can't tell if he just like is hot in a losery way or is an actual loser i didn't i i don't think i'm getting that exactly right but do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I think like a lot of what we've seen so far, and I think a lot of like what probably like dating in your early 20s is like, is like trying to turn losers into men. <laughs> you is know, there anything more noble, Rourke. I mean, yeah, there them. is actually. <laughs> <laughs> but Do yeah. you think he was l- hot in a losery way or just what was the other one? I think he's unwell yeah, also like disturbed i mean he and tyler just need to be together is what's happening here yes a hundred percent i did really like i it felt different like so th- the filming also felt a little different this episode i mm-hmm. really liked the framing of him coming in and then like leaving the frame and her saying i really like the way you have like your t- turtleneck folded over and then he comes back he- in frame and yes. he's like Thanks. That was totally by accident. (laughs) (laughs) That, that was, that's like such an art house kind of scene, you know, like independent movie type of filming. Yeah, totally. It it was like garden state vibes. Mm -hmm. Remember the chokehold that had on our generation at that time? It was so, it was such a good film, but then too many people became obsessed with it and it was like their personality and then you're like, okay, calm down. It wasn't that good. Right. Like, it was good. But. I also blame it in large part for like a Manic Pixie Dream Girl. That is the original sin for the Manic Pixie Dream Girl archetype. Well, yeah. that and like almost famous with what's her face. Kate Hudson. Yeah. But Kate Hudson's character is deeper. Much. And I feel like the Natalie Portman character is Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I agree. Totally. And then yeah, Penny 500 Lane. Days of Summer was a critique on Manic Pixie Dream Girl that no, it flew over everyone's head. And then they're like, why is Zoe Deschanel so mean to him? And it's like, because she, you see her through his eyes. It's a total like, like they, everyone. <laughs> you tell him, Zoebeth. No, it's true. You it, like, <laughs> you watch the movie again when you're older and you're like, fuck, like he's messed up. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Maybe I should go mm-hmm. back to that. Hannah is with Petula and Petula. Petula is talking about how things are a simulation and it's a game and she's going to go pow, pow, pow. And Hannah goes, wow, what a beautiful metaphor. <laughs> and she goes, it's not a metaphor. And she, of course, has this like menacing knife the whole time she's having this conversation and she reveals that she thinks scientists lie and it's all you know, kind of coming together. This is when we introduce Frank and 
Frank makes the comment about it, whether he's hot in a losery way. And Jessa says, Hannah, he had camel toe. <laughs> and we get a sense of, as if we didn't have enough already, but just kind of fleshing out the dad's character, which is he met Petula because she was the masseuse at his latest rehab and they ran off together. Tough. And he's drinking beer like throughout the episode. So obviously yeah. he's not sober at all. There's a lot of like red stripes or whatever it is happening. There are various kind of like scenes of cutting between conversations and very like domesticities of like him watering the lawn and her Jess is saying like, why don't you just let it die? And kind of like funny little side conversations, but they all end up sitting down together for dinner. And this is where you're like, oh shit, this is bad. You kind of enter in medias reus to the conversation and he's saying, I don't remember the incident. And Jessa says, you told me I was being rude and you sat me on a stool and threw chewed steak at me. Ew. Yeah. And he says, I don't remember it, but if you say I did it, then I did. Which to me says he totally knows it happened. Yeah. Hannah. It, be, it devolves like that whole starting from there, like the, the mood shifts and yeah. the conversation totally devolves. I think Jessa very much holds her own in the conversation between them on the swing. But I do think, and I actually think her dinner with Thomas John's parents is kind of another example of this is I think she doesn't actually know how to like confront these issues mm -hmm. with people. And so she does so by like pushing them in these settings where she's not going to get sick. Like she's not going to see success here. Like this is not the moment for this. This is not where she's going to get the interaction. She's not going to get what she wants out of the interaction. Mm -hmm. Hannah is sort of the comedic relief. I feel like throughout this episode, she uncovers that the rabbit they're eating is the same rabbit we were feeding and petting earlier. <laughs> Which everyone saw coming. <laughs> Absolutely. And she said, I would rather eat a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where Jesse yells, Hannah, grow up. Grow up. And Frank says he's Delicious. hungry all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> all they oh. eat is rabbit. Oh, Ugh. man. He is a funny little character. They kind of talk a little bit about Jess's marriage. I wrote down love is a Western concept. <laughs> what did that have to do with me? <laughs> Oh boy. Tyler arrives and he's sort of this like, you know, like young book. Like Yeah, he's very hunky. Yeah, hunky. exactly. He plays lacrosse, but also is a locally published poet. Just in the local paper. So good. I want to read it. You know it's terrible. Oh, you know it's terrible. This is incredibly fucked. Tyler says, you know, we're going out. Would you guys want to come? And Jessa says no, because she's there to see her father. And then he says, oh, sorry, I've got plans. Mm. This is awful. Also, they don't have plans. They're going to see like a lecture from another crazy person. Which Jess is welcome to come, but she called it the last minute. Yeah. And then there's that line of the father saying like, you've said you were coming up and have canceled like six times or whatever. But again, you are the parent. But no, I think that's, I, I think that's like incredibly sad. And I would be very devastated if that interaction happened. Between me and my parents. I know. It's crazy. Cut to a absolutely horrifying car ride in which the group is doing whippets and Tyler is driving at various points with either his hands off the wheel or Jess's hand covering his eyes. Not a good idea on any counts. I'm sorry. I'm like a total like nerd on this. Are they inhaling the gas from the whipped cream? Is that what they're doing? No. The whipped cream has been replaced. 
like there's not there's not like cream there's not anything in there anymore they've oh. like they they are using that can there there's a I, I i don't know if it's nitrous but there's like another gas in there now oh but they're they're inhaling the gas that comes in that like pressurized exactly can. yes okay and to feel high yes it looks not sanitary with it in everyone's mouth and their fingers oh it's absolutely vile I would prefer it if it was just driving in a convertible with whipped cream, but that I'm down for. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Yeah. <laughs> I think whippets and poppers are related. Isn't poppers that thing you smell at a club and it like jacks you up? Um, well, poppers relax you. Um, oh. yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's another nitrate thing. I only know about poppers from TikTok. Yeah. So they are very similar. Okay. They're both like nitrate ingestion party drugs where you inhale. Hannah refuses to do the whippets because she says she doesn't like using products in a different way than they were intended. <laughs> Which is just a great like reason. And also like that just like really tickled me. I liked that line a lot. It's, you know what? Valid. I mean, <laughs> it is valid. I get it. Like it does. Like, I mean, not to be like an annoying Ner- like an like a know-it-all about it but like that's like the test for like if you sue somebody for like a product malfunction their defense yeah. is if you were using it in a different way that it was intended so like it makes sense like you should be afraid of that because that's how like you won't <laughs> you won't be able to sue the company that's um, when the problems start yeah um jessa reveals she took alcohol and sh- her reason is that it's not stealing when it's from a corporation tyler says i wrote a I wrote a paper on corporations. They're totally evil. <laughs> Just like the great egalitarian mindset of the, of the youths. I'm glad that Hannah actually finally says like, get me out of this fucking car. Yeah. Good for her. She runs into a graveyard and has kind of this like funny lecture. And then Frank kisses her and reveals he's 19. How old are you? I'm yeah. not 18. Oh no, I'm 19. Okay. <laughs> but it's still terrible. As one would expect. Yeah. In the car, it's revealed that Jessa has told the guy that she feels like she's in total free fall and then asks, do the guys on your team suck each other off? The funniest part about this is that Tyler runs off, I guess, to puke in the bushes and we don't quite know where Frank has gone or maybe gone after him. Um, But Hannah and Jessa have a funny conversation where it's a little bit like who's on firsty. Mm-hmm. where they're like, wait, I thought you wanted this to be a sexcapade. No, that wasn't the plan at all. <laughs> um, and Hannah's reason is she was just trying to have continuity with Jessa. <laughs> she was trying to be the cushion. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what we were doing. So I thought that was a very funny interaction. Presumably they get home and they're lying in bed and Jessa says she wasn't in the right frame of mind to see her father. And that's when Hannah says, are we ever in the right frame of mind to see our parents? And she says, don't talk about our parents like they're the same kind of parents. And again, it's one of those where I do think it is kind of like two things can be true that I think Hannah has legitimate difficulties with her parents. But I hear Mm -hmm. Jess's point as well, that Hannah's parents at the end of the day are a stable base for her. Mm -hmm. Whereas Jess's just really are not. I feel like that was a moment where I get, I think it's reasonable for Jessa to be really upset and not wanting to hear someone try to relate to her. I agree. I totally agree. In the morning, Jessa sits on the swing and the dad comes out and it's sort of intimated that he's 
at the end of his rope with this phase of life, with this kind of turn of behavior where he says he thought he would enjoy the country, but it's so fucking boring. Jessa says, like, you can never stay put. Can you at least, like, clean and act like the woman and her child, like, aren't just casual? And they sort of, like, get in this, uh, get in a fight from there. And I think this was very, this is, like, she's basically explaining daddy issues here. Mm -hmm. Where she says, he says, um, she's like, you have no idea, whatever. And he says, what do I have no idea about? And she says, how much shit I've taken because you never taught me how to take anything else. And I think that's really sad. Yeah. And I think that that like really does show like I, a friend and I went to a couple, uh, this conference that was like lasted a couple days and the women who spoke like these very like interesting, successful women in various like fields of kind of like tech, like one's like a chess champion, one, whatever, all of them like really talk like without obviously being told that this was a theme or anything they should focus on. All of them mentioned like, strong relationships with their dads and like the chess champion woman like was talking about how like her dad really emphasized like the value of like strategy games for women at a young age like young women learning strategy games and i just thought it was like really interesting that like just how critical like a present father is and Mm -hmm. um i actually saw like a really cute a very sweet like tiktok that a dad like posted with his daughter it like the video was her at two years old and he's like somehow at two she got her hands on a skateboard and like you know her parents decided to go with it and it's sort of this like montage of her learning a skateboard but from the age two and a half to age six and like showing her like how like learning and the dad like how he like kind of hold like the whole time the dad is like supporting her and like helping her learn and encouraging her and a lot of the comments were like she's going to be so amazing because like you've encouraged her in this way and like have you know like encouraged her to take risks but also have provided the safe base and like i don't know i just think there's something really really valuable in that and like sending that message and like it's so sad that you know we have this character that is is clearly so lost in part because of she never, never having had that experience. Yeah. I mean, it's like an incredible metaphor to think about, like, especially with that example with the skateboarding, like he's letting her fall, but there to make sure she doesn't hurt herself. And it's like controlled, uh, controlled failure, controlled exploration and support. Yeah. It's interesting that thing about the conference you're talking about. I do think like, there has to be someone that you see in your life when you're young on a regular basis, doesn't have to be a parent, but helps if it is that it shows you how to live and how to model relationships, how to model how you approach your career, how you approach friendship, because we are like animals who Mm -hmm. learn by doing. So it's really sad. And you can see like all of the flakiness from Jessa. She learned from her father how to cut when things get difficult. She learned from her father, the lack of empathy and the extreme like hurt and violence. You know, she does have this tendency to hit people. Um, It's maybe it's from her mom. Who knows? Like, it's just like a crazy window into the child that she was and had the environment she had to endure. Yeah. No, it's, it's very sad. And I think that it's one of those things like something I often come back to is 
of course, like all of us are a victim of circumstance, at least to some degree, you know, like all of us were born into a circumstance Mm -hmm. and a family and like, we didn't get to choose that. But then where I think once you accept that as almost a control variable across all of us, that all of us, you know, have some sort of luck in our lives, whether it be lucky or unlucky. But then what you have to do is you have to like take responsibility for your circumstance. And I think that's where like I hold Jessa kind of responsible in that she does not take responsibility for her reality now. And we can understand how she came to be and feel like really like the people in her life can feel real sadness and give understanding and leniency to her. But at the end of the day, like she's got to fucking resolve this for herself. Mm -hmm. And she won't resolve it until she wants to resolve it fundamentally. Right. Like she has to hit her own version of rock bottom, but this is where they have that conversation where she says, why didn't you stand up for me? You don't even know how to have me here or how to have a conversation with me. And she, you know, yells at him. I'm the child. And I wrote damn fucking right. What happens here? Does she fall for it again? Or is it more just like she's falling for the dream and the hope that he'll actually follow through? I think it's like she wants to believe that her speech moved the needle and unlocked something for him. Because in the moment, seemingly it might have. He says, please stay. uh, We'll have dinner. And then, you know, they're going to get the groceries. He has some reason he can't go in, probably because he stole yeah. You know, like father, like daughter, get the wilted lettuce, all of that bullshit <laughs> for the rabbits that are dinner, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then he just like same old shit. He doesn't show up and they have to walk with all the shit in their hands. Yeah. It's, it's like awful. another disappointment. And they get back. Hannah like rounds the corner and Frank is sitting at the table. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a nice little comedic relief. Where he says, this is where I sit. I wasn't waiting for you. This is where I sit and drink lemonade. (laughs) And he says, it feels like you used me for sex. Hannah says, that wasn't sex. You came in my thigh crease. And then she she tries to suss out if it was his first time. And he says, it was my second time. With Rihanna was my first time. Yeah, Hannah obviously does not believe it. Um, Says, okay, what was her name? A girl named Rihanna. Oh, okay. (laughs) so good hannah's uti is either knock on or back with a vengeance and she comes out of the bathroom and there's a note under her rucksack that says see you around my love are we to believe that's written from jessa to her or that she found like a letter that the dad wrote to jessa i i don't understand i think that's from jessa okay jessa just left her got it so hannah has to get herself back to the city um she goes back to the train station where the episode began and calls her parents and they have a very, I think a very relatable conversation where Hannah calls and is very well intentioned and says, and says a lot of nice things, but then it's almost so incongruous with how she normally speaks to them. And she kind of gilds the Lily a little too far such Mm -hmm. that her mom is like, I don't know fucking time with for this. I don't know what your agenda (laughs) is. I love her mom. (laughs) Yeah. There is this um, also this really relatable moment where her father's talking to her, but he's like smothering the mic so she can't hear him. And she's like, talk into the receiver. And when I tell you I've had this exact same encounter 
with my dad where he's like covering up the bottom of the phone. And I'm like, I, it sounds like you're underwater. Like just speak normally. Like this was still an issue with normal phones. Forget cell phones. Like you can't hold the phone from the bottom. You need to hold it from the middle. It's so funny. My mom's issue is she will sometimes speak as if her voice is covering the geographic distance between us. And I'm like, mom, the phone is doing that work. Just speak at a normal volume. Oh man. My grandmother used to like scream into the phone to the point where like you could smell when she had used your phone because it would smell like her spit. Cause oh, she was God. yelling into the phone. That's So wild. we had to keep, yeah, we had to like, we were like, Oh, she was using the phone again. So wipe it down. Yeah. Wipe it down. But what I think what she says is really, really lovely. I do like that the mom says we spoke three days ago, so you must need something. I mean, accurate. (laughs) Yeah. And Hannah says, I called to say thank you for making me feel so supported as a child and sometimes as an adult. There's times where we have nothing in common and don't know each other at all. And then says some things about like being placed on the same earth at the same time. But I feel like there's a hammock under the earth supporting me and I'm grateful. I love you. I really love you. And that's Yeah, that was really nice. Yeah. And I feel like that is like, I mean, who knows? I'm just speculating, but I feel like that was like how Le- that's like Lena Dunham talking to her parents. Right. Like, that. yeah, this is just such a wonderful and out of character moment for Hannah to like really be that introspective and appreciative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's right. That's when her mom says, thank you. Mm hmm. And then she keeps kind of adding to it. And then the mom is like, sus. <laughs> She's like, stop it. I don't have fucking time for this. <laughs> yeah. And then the episode kind of ends the way it began with Hannah peeing behind the power box, <laughs> but this time <laughs> screaming in pain. Why doesn't she just go into the bushes more? Like why so open with the peeing? I don't know. It's really, it's, I mean, it's very Hannah in that way, I think, where it's like, it's the choice that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I feel like there, this must exist, right? There must be like some tool you can use as a woman to like pee into and then it has like a hose so you don't have to like. Yes. Um. What is it called? It's called, I think it's called like a shiwi. A shiwi? I think it's called a shiwi. It like, it's, it like almost looks like a little water slide. I would be afraid that it would like spill out from the sides. Yeah, it's called the Shiwi Female Urinal to make your everyday life easier. I feel like this. How is do amazing. I clean that after use, though, girl? I have no idea. It just seems so troublesome. It looks ridiculous. I, um, as a kid, there were moments like on the school bus where people would be like, "I gotta go, I gotta go," and I remember there was one time I don't even remember if I was on the bus or like my friend told me. Oh, mm-hmm. my friend told me she's like Sarah Beth. After you got off the bus, it was mayhem. So this girl like tried to pee in a water bottle because they were stuck in traffic so long. Oh God. And she obviously missed. And then the rest of the time there was pee like going up and down the bus. Oh my God. That's hell. (laughs) Yeah. That is same thing would happen with like vomit with people throwing up on the bus and you'd see like the vomit like go up and down the bus aisle. Jesus, that's bleak. Yeah. That was like whenever the UN was in town, we would be like on the bus for hours. Yeah, I never had to take that. A, a bus didn't like come to where I lived, so I never had to take the bus. Oh, I was all about that school bus life. It came up the avenues, pick us up. It's horrible. <laughs> oh, wait, what was your cuckoo bananas moment? 
my cuckoo bananas moment was the driving, doing the gas and covering his face. Like that is destructive that was behavior to a T. Horrible. Like could go so wrong. That mm-hmm. was bad. That guy looked like he belonged in like Riverdale or something. What about you? Same. I mean, I think that's a good one. I also, I mean, I also enjoyed like the eating the rabbit that they had been hanging out. With. Oh yeah. But you know, honestly, like that's a very sustainable form it is. of meat consumption. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not against it. My whole thing is like, I actually think that like, if you eat meat, you need to be willing to like be okay with the process. Like you can't just mm-hmm. accept chicken, you know, perfectly packaged in the grocery store. Like I think you need to be willing to like accept the process. Yeah. And like, I think it would do everyone good to like, remember that these are animals that are alive Mm -hmm. that you're choosing to eat. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I don't know if I'd be good with butchering the rabbit. I think if I had to hunt all my meat, I might seriously be totally vegetarian. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I'd be fine. Like, I'd be fine observing it. Yeah. But I don't necessarily want to do the hack job myself. I don't know. There was this thing. I lived in Pittsburgh for a while and there was this thing where you could get like a farm share of an animal and I never had enough freezer space, but I definitely wanted to I do that. I always you, wanted to do that. Where you like buy a quarter of a cow or like a pig or something. And it's a much more humane sort of approach because you're not like, like think of how many we're on like a real tangent right now, but think yeah. of how many like animals you've consumed in your lifetime. Like if you buy prepackaged like breasts, chicken breasts, like those could be from two different chickens. And right. just think of how many animals those are. Yeah. And so anyway, so in Pittsburgh they had this and because it was a lot, there was a lot more of a close access to like farms that weren't industrial. And I did like the CSA boxes and stuff. So I always wanted to do that. And I feel like that would be nice, but I, I don't need to like trust my own chicken and stuff. That's yeah. No, I have a couple friends and I have talked about like going in on a cow together. Yeah. I think if you eat meat, I think that's like a good way to do it. It supports the people who are working with the cattle and could get some interesting cuts, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But I have no, you need like a lock, one of those like garage locker free, deep freezers. I also feel like you need a smoker because quite frankly, like, what are you going to do with those huge, huge cuts as like a single person? We only have a few episodes left actually this season because God, 10 episodes is so short. Episode eight. Okay. So like not to share memories or like spoil. So episode eight is called It's Back. And I believe this is the episode arc where her OCD comes back because I I also Mm. remember that being running in parallel track to her anxiety over being able to produce this book. Yes. So I think it's I think that so. storyline. But yeah, I, d- I, I, and like I said, I think this like, you know, not to use like a golf metaphor, but like the back nine here is going to be a little tough to watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. So yeah, a little less fun, a little more serious, I think on the next couple episodes. I just want to get back to like, I want an episode that's plot point heavy because I feel like those are more fun. Agreed. And later. Yeah, these are very heavy. It's hard to watch like heavy ones back to back. It is. But the last episode actually like it did make me feel, you know, the I did not full cry, but I did missed when she okay, spoke to her. Thing. Yeah, I missed it. Um, when she spoke to her mom and, you know, said how much she loved her and 
how she feels like she has this safety net. Cause like I, that is something I totally feel and feel so lucky to have. Um, and so that did make me, that made me in my feels a little bit. Yes. Same, but no misting. Cause you're I'm a tough inside. broad. <laughs> I'm a tough broad. <laughs> I want to play the song, you know, the, um, the TikTok song where it's like, works two jobs and <laughs> works single mom who works two jobs who loves her kids and never stops. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> Reba. I'm Reba. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> uh, she's a survivor. <laughs> oh my God. Last right. night I was walking, I was walking Mango last night and um, listening to Christmas music. And every once in a while I would kind of like sing along with it. And then I realized there was like people like right there. <laughs> Oop. just kidding Oop. i guess it depends on the song yeah no it's always good um i think it was um have yourself a merry little christmas which is a classic classic all right bye bye on that note talk soon sounds good